favorite movies and the disciples, right? I mean, <laughs> they are disciples, but I, it's never good to go see a good movie without a good bag of popcorn. So our ushers right now have tons of popcorn for you. Raise your hand if you didn't get one. We want to pass them out before we get this thing kicked up and started. Over the next two weeks, we will be doing at the movies, all right? And what we're doing is we're taking Hollywood blockbusters and we're going to present the gospel through them in a unique way. So I'm asking you to invite somebody to church with you that maybe wouldn't come for any other reason, but they'll come to see a movie. Today we're taking off on the movie. One of my favorite movies of all times. I think it's probably one of the best world acted. I love it because it's a true story, but it is absolutely life-inspiring, and it's called The Pursuit of Happiness. And so today we're going to jump right in. Chris Gardner was an amazing man, but his life was not always amazing. As a matter of fact, when he showed up on the planet, he was born into a very abusive home to the point where he had to be moved from foster home to foster home. Everything about his circumstance and everything about his situation said that he would be a failure, he would be a loser. Statistics say that he should never amount to nothing. But I'm going to ask you over the next few minutes to take a journey with us and let's take a deep look inside of Chris Foster's life. We're at the movies. You can kill the lights and you can turn on the movie. I'm Chris Gardner. I met my father for the first time when I was 28 years old. And I made up my mind as a young kid that when I had children, my children were going to know who their father was. This is part of my life story. This part is called Riding the Bus. What's that? It's a time machine, isn't it? Seems like a time machine. That seems like a time machine. It's a time machine. Take me with you. This machine. This machine on my lap. This guy, he has a time machine. He, he, he travels. He travels in the past with this machine. And it, it is not a time machine. It's a portable bone density scanner. A medical device I sell. Uh, yeah, look, I'm running a little late for a sales call. I was, I was wondering if... Yeah, Osteo National. Right, uh, we can still... Half an hour? Yes, beautiful. Beautiful, thank you, thank you. This part of my life, this part here, it's called running. my stolen machine unless she was with a guy who sold them too which was unlikely because I was the only one selling them in the Bay Area I spent our entire life savings on these things it was such a revolutionary machine can you feel it baby? oh yeah, you got me doing all the work what I didn't know is that doctors and hospitals would consider them unnecessary luxuries the landlord to take a picture so if I lost one it was like losing a month's groceries
picking up right there in his life. We're going to do this lot. Start, stop, start, stop, all right? You ever had a great idea? You came up on an opportunity that you thought was about to change everything, and you thought your great idea was so great that you invested everything you had into it. You're either your whole heart, maybe you thought that person was the one, or maybe it was that job, or maybe it was that car that, you know what I'm saying, you just had to have, and you thought you had a great idea. You put everything into it, but that great idea ended up being one of the worst ideas you've ever made. Here in this story, Chris Gardner had a great idea. I love the commitment of this guy because when he was born into a situation where the chips were stacked against him, he had a desire to get out. But then because he had a great idea and because me and you a lot of times don't have a, we have a great idea, it doesn't always mean it's a God idea. There are two kinds of ideas. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that there are, the Bible says, be you not transformed to the patterns of this world, but be you, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is the will of God, which is good, perfect, and acceptable. Meaning there are two types of ideas, two types of plans, two types of ways. One way is our natural way. Another way is our supernatural way. Now, Proverbs 16.9 says it like this. It says, Men have, the man's heart plans his way. And I'm so thankful that there is another plan besides just my plan. Because a lot of my great ideas did not end up so great. The Bible says, though, but the Lord directs his steps. I want you to know something. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your circumstance. I don't know where you're at in your situation. I don't know how far in your plan you are. But you need to know something. God's involved in your journey. You must know he's involved in your journey. And that is a good thing. Although a lot of times when I'm trying to go my way, it seems like it's not a good thing. It seems like God being involved feels like it's a bad thing because sometimes God is knows our blessings for your future. But it says we have plans, but you've got to understand something. By the way, happy birthday, Ricky. Happy birthday. <laughs> Man, it's hard to believe you're that good looking in just 48 years. Are you 48? 52! Oh, that explains... No, I'm playing... <laughs> but no. All right. But it says that God has a direction in our life. We'll plan to go one way, and it's like, man, we, something won't let you. Every time we go to take a step, it's like everything crashes in in front of us. And a lot of times, because we don't understand that God is involved in our plans, and sometimes because He's involved in our plans, it means He's shutting plans down because our plans may not be His plans because He has a greater plan for us. We think God's against us. In the movie, it says He had to sell two of those bone density machines a month just to pay for rent and just to buy food. He had to sell three to have anything above that. So he got up every day, every day, trying to make his idea work. But I'm here to tell you, God had a greater plan for his life. The problem is most of us don't know how to find that God plan for our life. 
So we'll spend our life going from this plan, and when it fails, we'll try to find another plan and fail. Or we'll go into this relationship, or we'll go, and then when that one fails, we'll try to find just another relationship, or one job after another job, or we'll just try to make our plans work. But what you have to understand is God has a greater plan, and it's not that complicated for you to step into. As a matter of fact, the Bible says every one of your days are written in a book. There was a plan written before you before you showed up on this planet. And the cool thing about that plan is in Jeremiah 29, it says it's good, it's not bad, it's for to give you a future and to give you a hope. And the thing about it is, he's not trying to hide it from you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if you're just willing to look for it, you'll find it. But it all starts with the desire to want to do it God's way. And being willing to give up maybe some of our ways. Here's what it looks like when you get one of those moments. Man, I got two questions for you. What do you do and how do you do it? I'm a stockbroker. Stockbroker. Oh. Had to go to college to be a stockbroker, huh? You don't have to. Had to be good with numbers and good with people. That's it. Hey, you take care. Hey, I'm going to let you hang on to my car for the weekend, but I need it back for Monday. Feed the meter. (laughs) I still remember that moment. That one slipped by us. Why couldn't I look like that? Again, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> so if you're going to put something on Facebook, put cricket edited a movie. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Well, jumping into this, what does it look like? What do those moments look like? God has been working in your life ever since you showed up on this planet. The problem was, is that God's not been in control of your life since you've en- ended up on this planet because you were born on this planet in a fallen state, separated from God. That's why he said there are two plans. There's a worldly plan and there's a godly plan. And the will of God, the godly plan, is to bless you, not to hurt you, to cause you to be the head, not the tail. The problem is we were not born into the will of God. When we were born, the will of God began to work on our behalf. Now the problem in life is just this. Most people spend most of their life or go through their entire life looking for a plan that will work for them. They will get involved in jobs or you'll get involved in relationships or you'll get involved in hobbies or you'll get involved in things of this world. And when you get involved with them, they still leave you empty. Did you know six out of ten women in America right now take antidepressants? It's not that women are weak. It's that women are trying to find God's fulfillment in other things. Did you know that most 70% of divorces in America happen because of the men's choice? Not because men are wrong, because men are trying to find a plan 
that will fulfill them and make them happy. God has a plan, and the only way you're ever going to be fully fulfilled and fully be happy is if you understand that the only way is going to come from God being your source. It's like this. A plant out of its place will die. A plant out of its place will die. If I took a plant, I pulled it out of its soil from where it came from, and I placed it on the stage, at that moment, that plant begins to die. When you are separated from the source that you came from, your life begins to die. You begin to be unfulfilled. You begin to be unhappy. You begin to be depressed. You begin to try to find a way to fill that void. The only way to live the life that God intended for you to live is for you to be planted in the source from where that life comes from. And God made you, and the only way you're going to be back fulfilled again will be by you connecting yourself back to God. Here in this moment... Chris Gardner was walking down the street and there was one of those God moments, a divine intervention in his life. And it came in the form of a Ferrari. If you look back in your life now, God has been involved in your life for as far as you've been on this planet. And there has been divine interruptions and there have been divine appointments that God has placed in your way all along. I have a friend named Roger. He owns the Foley Airport there in Alabama, and he was a military fighter pilot. He's in his 80s now, and the first day I met him, I was sitting there waiting, and he came in. He, I didn't know he was the owner. He sat down, and he says, you know, what you doing here? I said, I'm about to um, get my first lesson in a plane, in a pilot lesson, and he said, um, well, why are you wanting to get your license? And I explained, you know, I'm a pastor, and I need to get back and forth quicker. I said, it's not that I just love that. I, just, I believe I could be more productive if I'm not spending 16 hours a week in the car, and he said, so you're Christian? I said, yes, sir. And he said, I said, are you? He said, yes. He said, I haven't always been. He said, but I am. And I said, well, what do you mean you hadn't always been? He said, well, my family always was. As a matter of fact, his father was one of the key component players in planting and sowing and giving and creating the Bible College Cross for the Nations. He was one of the founding fathers. So he grew up in a very powerful, stable Christian home. He said, but I grew up not fully convinced that God was real. He said, I went into the military at an early age and, you know, we didn't, I didn't serve God. He said, but it was when I was in my late 30s, he says, I went to bed one night and I had a dream. He said, in that dream, God took me back to every point in my life that he was there and he was actively at work putting the right person in the right place, moving this situation away, stopping the car wreck that could have happened, keeping his military plane from crashing. He said, and God showed me through my entire life everywhere he's been doing things. He said, and I look back when I woke up and realized that that could have only been God that kept those things in place like they were. And he's been serving God passionately ever since. 
If you were to look back in your life, there are circumstances, there are situations, there have been events that you cannot explain any other than that had to be a divine interaction by God involved. The reason why you're not in jail had to be by the grace of God. The reason why you're not in hell had to be by the grace of God. The reason why your marriage made it through what it made it through had to be by the grace of God. God has been involved in your situation from the time that you've been on your planet. You've had a million Ferrari moments. The problem is a lot of times we don't recognize the power and the impact of those moments. I remember the moment Jennifer walked in Applebee's here in El Dorado. And thank God I was at a place where I was able to recognize a God moment. Because I was in love with her at love at first sight. It didn't make any sense at that point. I had try, you know, tried to make it, but I, it was an inspiration moment. And I remember the exact moment. I remember trying to make relationships in my life work. And I would, every time I would, it was like they would fall apart or they would stop or you know, saying something. And I'm so thankful now I can look back and see the hand of God was actively at work in my life. You need to know, you've got a lot of plans in your life and you can spend your life living these plans, pursuing happiness. But when you surrender to joy, everything changes. God has been speaking to you, giving you God ideas, putting God's situations in your path that have the ability to change your entire future. But it starts with the desire. Would you really want God's plan for your life? Do you really want to live life God's way? Would you really love to live at the level that you know you were made to live at, but you don't know how to get there? You have to begin to look for the God moments. And I can tell you, I know what God moments feel like. God moments feel like fear, except they have a twinge of excitement in them. Fear and faith are so much alike. Fear will tell you what's going to happen, even though you can't see it. Faith will tell you what's going to happen, even though you can't see it. There's a difference in the two. And the best way I know how to describe it is the feeling or the emotion attached to one. Because when it comes to the voice of fear speaking in your life, you will have what you can't say, but it will have a feel of dread. Faith has that moment, and you'll, ta- you'll see what it could be, and you'll have a spark of excitement. And you have to learn to look for the faith moments. Because if you can't see it, you need to know. You will never be it. Chris Gardner here had the ability to realize at that moment when that Ferrari pulled up on that street that God has meant me to be more. God has a better plan for me than what I'm living at this moment. And I'm so thankful for the God moments in my life. That when I look back and I see now every good and gift and things that I have in my life came from a God moment that I was, had the ability to see that God is working on my behalf. He wasn't punishing me because my circumstances were bad. He wasn't upset with me because my decision. We put way too much value on sin. Now you need to understand this real quick. This is probably the deepest thing I'm going to say to you today. We put too much value on sin. Because we've all been taught or we've all said that Jesus died for your sin. And that is not true. Jesus did not die for anyone in this room's sin because if He would have died for your sin, He would have said that your sin, your mistakes and your failures has more value than you do. So He had to die to pay for sin. That's not what happened. He died... 
to pay for you. You were in sin. And it cost. He, I got to be honest with you. He wasn't going to buy sin. He didn't want sin. He don't need sin. Sin, he, he had an opportunity to get it for free. And he told the devil no. But what he died for was you. You were in sin. The price was not for sin. The price was for you. And he was willing to overpay for you. To get you out of sin so you could be what he knew you could be. So the next time the devil comes and tells you that the devil died for your sin, you look at him and say, no, 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 devil. My sin's not that valuable. That was just my mistake. Jesus died for me because he saw the value that I have. Quit letting the value of sin determine what your value is because he died for you. And in those God moments, everything will change. The problem with God moments is this. There's three yous in here today. There's the you that you used to be. There's the you that you are right now. And there's the you that God knows you are going to be. And the problem with it is this. At a God moment, you see what God wants you to be. But you need to understand this. There will be a journey from you to get where you are from here to there. And I'm going to be honest with you, most of the time they're not fun. Go ahead, go to the next row. Stay here tonight. Yes, we can. Open the door. Did you hear what I said? Let's go. Open the
Get up. Just stand up. Come on. He had a God moment. And as soon as he did, his wife left him. His car got impounded for unpaid parking tickets. It's like he saw what it could be and then hell fell out around him. I don't know how many of you that's happened to. You take a step toward God and everything gets hard. I remember the first time I made a decision as a young adult to become a tither. I gave my first and my money got so bad over the next few weeks that I had to make a decision whether I was going to believe it or not. I remember at times where God would speak to me or I would see Him in a way and it's like I would go to take a step and the step I took made everything else worse. Because there are three you's. There's the you you were that's brought you to the you you are. But God can't give you what He has planned for you until you become the you that will be. So there's a journey. And out of that journey, God knows what He puts in you is strength. There's a scripture in Isaiah 30, 20. And it says this, And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. It's weird here because usually we think of adversity, hard things being bad things. But here the Bible says that God will give you bread of adversity. Do you know what bread does? Bread is nourishment that gives you strength. So adversity that God allows to come into our life, He did not allow it to come into your life to break you. He allowed it to come into your life to make you. And you have to understand that adversity is going to be part. I I mean, I don't know how many times you've heard preachers say this, that when you get saved, it's not all going to be bed of roses. But still yet, we think it should be. We still think when we hit something hard that God should enter in and God should make it easy. You need to understand, God's more concerned about what He's doing on the inside of you than what He's doing for you. Because if you will let Him do what He's doing on the inside of you, the Bible says He will never let you have anything you can't he will never let you go through anything you can't handle without creating a way of escape so if you can't handle the level of success that God wants to put on your life right now you're never going to get to be comfortable until you're willing to walk through the hard things and let God do a work in you to where you can I have failed so many times in hard times and I thought that maybe God had failed me or maybe God had let me down or maybe I had gotten out of the will of God or God was judging me or I had moved, I would made bad decisions. You need to understand something. Just because things are hard does not mean they're not God. Because God gives us, number one, the bread of adversity. And then He gives you water. So He gives you bread of adversity and water of affliction. That means this. The hard things you think are killing you, in the eyes of God, they're keeping you alive. You take a butterfly, a worm, a caterpillar that's crawled on its belly its whole life, and at some point, and I don't know a whole lot about the science of the butterfly, but I do know this, at some point it realizes it was meant for more. 
because nobody picks him up, puts him in a tree, and covers him in a cocoon. He has to go there himself. But the thing about it is that cocoon will stay there for a season of time. And then that cocoon will begin to wiggle and shake and violently move. And if you reach up and you take a razor blade and you cut that cocoon away from that butterfly, the worm that crawled into it no longer exists. A butterfly is there. And if you rescue him out of the struggle, the butterfly will never have the strength in its wings to fly. Struggle, the Bible says God uses it in our life to create us to be something that we could never be at the levels that we were on. There is such a destiny in your life. God has been working in your life from the very beginning, bringing you to God moments. But a lot of us haven't been able to step into that struggle because or step into that moment because when it gets hard, we go back. We think that it's we were born and meant to be ground crawlers. But you weren't. So if adversity and hard times is bread, and affliction, weakness and sickness and struggles is water, God's saying those very things that you have regretted and you've dreaded so long, God's using them if you let Him do the work in you to make you and keep you alive. So how do you do it? You have to learn to look at those times in faith. You can't look at what they are. You have to look at what God can make them. Even when every voice in your life, the one in your head, the one from hell, the ones of people around you, tell you that it's impossible. The secret to being able to get through your struggle is learning how to hold on to faith. And faith is seen. You can see that God can turn this around. You can see that this situation can change. Let's go to our next clip, and you'll see what the enemy tries to do to us a lot of times. <laughs> I'm going, bro! Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know, and I, I, I was below average. You know, so, whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay. All right, go ahead. somebody tell you you can't do something not even me all right you got a dream you got to protect it people can't do something themselves they want to tell you you can't do it you want something go get it Period. Let's go. 
You have that God moment. You can see it, but it's not faith till you take a step after. But you got to understand what those God moments look like. They always look bigger than you. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, it says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of the faith produces patience. Those hard times are producing, the Bible says, it is producing in your life. You think they're killing, you think they're breaking, they are producing. You find a marriage going through a hard time, and if they choose to not give up, it will produce a strong marriage. You will not live life without struggle. But the Bible says this, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There are three phases of a dream. And you will always walk through these three phases. Once you see it and you know God can do it, there will always come death. You will watch your dream die. It will become the farthest thing from ever coming true you will ever imagine. Then there will be a burial. It will seem like everyone else is forgotten. And you're just here by yourself. But then if there's a death and there's a burial, you can be assured if God's involved there will always be a resurrection. Because God proves His Word. Now, the enemy will constantly come to you and make you try to doubt. When you see what it can be, the devil will tell you, well, alright, even if God can do it, you can't. You need to understand something. You were divinely developed and made by God. The Bible says that He formed you in your mother's womb. You aren't, just, you aren't just random. There are gifts, talents put inside you. God put on the inside of you for you to accomplish the dreams and purpose that God's given you. Every single person in here has the ability placed inside of them to be what God put them here to be. And I'm here to tell you it's more than what you are. You are divinely gifted and made special for destiny. Here's how he found out. Oh, oh wow, you, you uh, really messed it up. Uh, Sorry. Uh, it, it looks like it, it uh, works around a, a swivel, so the centerpiece is never moved. So if, it, if it's yellow in the center, that's the yellow side. Right. If it's red in the center, that's the red side. Okay. So, you, you can slow down. Listen, we can drive around all day. I, I don't believe you can do this. Uh, yeah, I can. Uh -uh, no, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can. I'm telling you, no one can. Let's see, that's all I ever do. <laughs>
1710. Oh, this is me. Good job. He didn't even realize what made him different and special was actually connected to him being what he was going to find himself to be in destiny. There's something about you that you do better than anyone else ever does. And there's giftings and talents put on si- inside of you, but most of us keep our giftings and talents kept in the natural realm. That God put those giftings and talents in you for you to move into the supernatural realm. And when you realize that your giftings and what you're good at and what you do isn't just to make your life easier or get you through or for you to figure things out, it's connecting you to divine purpose. And you find a way to start using what you're good at for the kingdom of God, your destiny will begin to be revealed. You all have an amazing gift. Now, his life didn't make much sense at this point until he was willing to take a step toward realizing that what he saw God could do in him, he was willing to take a risk to see come about. To be what God's made you to be will always take you taking a risk because your destiny is always bigger than you. And you will feel unqualified. You will feel the least one that God could do. But you need to know because your destiny can't be accomplished without God because it's supernatural. So you're going to have to be, move yourself to a place of dependency on God. One of the best ways to realize what your destiny is is start looking for moments that are bigger than you and then being willing to take a step into the risk zone, the faith zone, so that God can show up. Here goes his interview. trying to come up with a story that would explain my being here dressed like this. And, and I wanted to come up with a story that would demonstrate qualities that I'm sure you all admire here, like, like earnestness or diligence and team playing to something. And I couldn't think of anything. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? <laughs> And I ran all the way here from the, the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my apartment. Is it dry now? I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, he's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so. And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir, I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris? No, I don't know. One too many, apparently. Is he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class? In school? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? 
um, I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. <laughs> Chris, I don't know how you did it dressed as a garbage man, but you really pulled it off in there. Thank you very much, Mr. Twistle. Hey, now you can call me Jay. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Right, so I'll let you know, Jay. You'll, you'll let me know, Jay. What do you mean? Yeah, I'll give you a call tomorrow sometime. And wait, wait, what are you talking about? You hounded me for this. You stood here. Listen, there's no salary. I was not aware of that. My circumstances have changed some, and I need to be certain that I'll be able to sustain. Okay. Tonight, I swear, I will fill your spot, I promise. You know what I'll look like? If you back out, you know what I'll look like to the partners? Yes, and as... A-hole. Yeah, an ass a-hole. All the way. <sighs> you are a piece of work. Tonight. There was no salary. Not even a reasonable promise of a job. Hello, Jesus. Jesus, Wow. I edited this on a earpiece. <laughs> good night. All right. Praise God. But the good news is my dad has done the same thing, so. <laughs> Jumping into it. Faith is not risk that's stupid. When God shows you a moment... What God does is He prepares you, but if you're not ready for that moment, you'll miss it. The Bible says that David was in a field watching sheep, and his moment came. His father came to him and said, David, I want you to go to your brothers on the battlefield. The Bible says, he rose up early, he left his sheep with the keeper, and he obeyed what his father said. You need to know this. Being dumb and just taking risks... Walking out of here and said, well, God's called me to be a lawyer and you quit your job today and you haven't taken the assessments and covered your sheep or covered your field. David did not walk out of that field till he found a keeper to put over his sheep. He was not irresponsible. A lot of times we get too spiritual for our own supernatural. And we think that if we... If God's going to do it, we, um, God wants me to have a Mercedes, but you're living on a Honda budget. Until you get to a Mercedes budget, drive a Honda. Because you're going to need a miracle every day. That payment is due. And most people in the Bible got one miracle their whole life. I'm just being honest with you. Faith is not stupid. Faith is action on the Word of God. But yet it's still responsible. Chris couldn't take the job because he knew just jumping at whatever opportunity I have will cost me what God's really cost me to, called me to be. 
He did all that he did and he knew what he did because he had a son that was coming up behind him. And if he didn't become what God had made him to become, his son would live a lower level of life as well. Life is bigger than money. God is, life is bigger than position. God is, life, is big, life is about the kingdom. And the kingdom is about people. God will never call you to do something that will break people or leave people broken. So if you say, well, I know God wants me to do this, then you need to go and you need to get counsel, you need to get prayer, and you need to look at it and realize that God doesn't want you, want you to destroy what He's given you to this point, but He wants you to grow into what He can have you to be. Now, it's not easy. Success is never easy. There's always a price tag to success. If you ever see somebody that's successful, you need to understand that they worked for that. Working and hard working is part of what life is going to be because God put us here and God put us here to become what He wants to do, become what He wants us to be, but it will take on your part you working it out. Just because God has called you to be something doesn't mean it will happen. If God called me to be a preacher and I never went to, went to Bible college, if I never would have learned what the Bible says, if I, if I would have just showed up and tried to talk, I never would have been a preacher. I'm letting you know, nobody. But I understood. My father taught me at age that there's going to be a price to what God's called me. And if you'll pay it, God will show up. So he got the job. He took the job. But then this is what the job looked like. You know, you ever hear the expression, be careful what you ask for because God may give it to you? Just because something's difficult doesn't mean God's not in it. Go ahead. brought in the most money after six months was usually hired. Yes, hello, Chris Gardner calling for Mr. Walter Hawk. We were all working our way up call sheets to sign clients. From the bottom to the top. Yes, sir. From the doorman to the CEO. They'd stay till seven, but I had Christopher. I had to do in six hours what they'd do in nine. Good afternoon. My name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. In order not to waste any time, I wasn't hanging up the phone in between calls. Okay, thank you very much. I realized that by not hanging up the phone, I gained another eight minutes a day. Why, good morning to you. My name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. I also wasn't drinking water, so I didn't waste any time in the bathroom. Uh, yes, I'd love to have the opportunity. Okay. No problem at all, sir. Thank you very much. But even doing all this, after two months, I still didn't have time to work my way up a sheet. Yes, hello, my name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Mr. Walter Ribbon. Concerning? Yes, ma'am, I'm calling from Dean Witter. Just a moment. Hello? Mr. Ribbon. Well, uh, hello, sir, my name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. Yeah, Chris. Uh, yes, Mr. Ribbon, I would love to have the opportunity to sit with you to discuss some of our products, and I, I'm certain that I could be of some assistance to you. Can you be here in 20 minutes? Uh, uh, 20 minutes, absolutely. Just had someone cancel. Come now. I'll give you a few minutes before the 49ers. Monday Night Football, buddy. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you very much. See you soon. He got all excited. Went downstairs. His boss asked him to move him around somewhere. He missed the appointment, and it failed miserably in front of his face again. 
To be what God's called you to be, you've got to learn tenacity. You know what tenacity is? Winston Churchill said this. He said, Dog, uh, bulldogs have tenacity. God made their nose flat so they could bite and hold on and still be able to breathe. You're going to have to be able to hold on when everything else seems like it's not working. A seed that is planted in the ground. There's always a season that you don't see what's going on on the surface. As he went through these steps, it was hard. As he went through these steps, it was like failure after failure. But he did not give up. He persevered is what the Bible called it. He just persevered. There are times that for you to be what God called you to be, you're going to just have to realize that not everything's going to seem like it's going to pay off. You're just going to have to grit, hold on, and persevere. Because this is the promise. Weeping will last for a night, but joy will come in the morning. No matter how bad it is, it's a matter of time before God turns it around. And so if you're in a situation now, hold on. Then the problem usually comes up, though the enemy tries to tell you this. He tries to tell you that you're not enough. There's a guy in the book of Judges. He shows up in two scriptures in the Bible. His name is Shamgar. Shamgar was not famous for anything except saving the nation. Pretty good thing to be famous for. But that's not where he started. In Judges chapter 3, the Bible introduces him and it says this. And it says, And Shamgar says, rose up and took an ox goad and killed 600 Philistines and saved the nation. It says, after him was Shamgar, the son of and he killed 600 men of the Philistine with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Shamgar had an ability in him that probably no one else saw. He had a gifting in him that even others were qualified better because obviously he was a farmer or he wouldn't have had an ox goat. An ox goat is a farmer tool that has a point to poke at an ox and make him plow a field. And the Bible says the enemy came at him with such unsurpassable odds that it would be absolutely impossible for Shamgar to win in this situation. You know it's a God thing when it's bigger than you. You know it's a God thing when you aren't enough. Because there will always be times you're not enough. And it will seem like that everything around you is trying to kill you. So what do you do? You do what Shamgar did. Number one, you start where you are. If you're waiting till you get that perfect chance, you're waiting for the opportunity, you're waiting for somebody to give you the promotion, you're waiting, you're waiting, you will miss what God has for you. Shamgar started where he was. He didn't wait to go to military school. He didn't wait for the army to get there. He got up, he saw an opportunity, he knew God could use him to do it and he showed up and he did he started where he was to do what God's called you you're going to have to start you have to make the decision I'm going to start here I'm going to start now I'm going to start going to those classes I'm going to start right now going to counseling I'm going to start right now doing what I can and then the Bible said this the Bible said that he did what he could you need to understand you will not have enough. We're gonna, we, we gotta, I'm not going to walk away. Just start the, there's all, you always face what God's got for you and you will not have enough. Play that real quick because it's a one minute thing. And it's really, you don't have enough. You got five bucks? I left my wallet upstairs. Let me go run, run up and grab that for you, Mr. Frog. No, I got to be at Cal Bank at four and I'm late.
God let you come to the bottom because when you come to the bottom you can expect God to show up it says when we are weak he is strong he's wanting to show you he's there we'll jump to this one now what Chris Gardner here did homeless nowhere to go nothing to do he refused to give up in the time he knew if I can just hold on a little on. There's been times where I just tried to hold on till daylight. Times in my life I tried to hold on till dark. Days I've worked I just tried to hold on to quitting time. You hold on to something. Because if you give God the time, He will always show up if you don't give up. Go with this next one and then we got one and we're done. Right here. You want to 
to push it. Okay. This is the greatest moment in every journey for you to become what God's called you to be. You will never be there till you come to a place of brokenness. Because if you could do it on your own, you would never need God. But God loves you enough that when you were born, you weren't ready to handle so that you would hold on to Him that was. Every journey and a destiny for God for you to be fulfilled come to a point of brokenness and when you've been through a broken moment you learn to look back and realize that was the greatest moment of my life because when I couldn't stand I couldn't hold on he held me I've never been to a broken moment in my life that I didn't go down and I asked God to help and he didn't show up on my behalf when God shows up your bottom is not a bottom it's a launch pad 
And when God, when you allow yourself to be broken and cry out to God, God shows up. Go with the clip. Is it's got to climb mountains. We all have to deal with mountains. You know, mountains that go way up high and mountains that go deep and low. Yes, we know what those mountains are here at Glide. We sing about them. If you had to sum up one word for you to become what God has called you to be, the one word is surrender. If you can learn to surrender to God, God can work on your behalf. I don't know what kind of situation you're in. I don't know if you've been carrying, if you've been struggling. I don't know if you've already made it to the success. The Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 26, God blessed a man named Uzziah. Became the most blessed man in the world. In verse, I believe it's 16 says, And when he was strong, he turned his back on the Lord. And then his life fell apart. If you will live a surrendered life when you're broke, and you will live a surrendered life when you're rich, you will never fail at anything you ever do. Because God does not believe in you failing. He put you here for you to be more than a conqueror. And the story of Chris Garner was this. He surrendered. When he surrendered, God moved. Used his gifts, his talents. He didn't give up when the going got tough. And this is the end of his story. Chris. Mr. Fromm, good to see you. Nice shirt. Thank you, 
Yes, sir. Chris. Hey, Jimmy. I'd uh, wear a shirt today, um, you know, being the last day and all. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. But um, wear one tomorrow, though, okay? Because tomorrow's going to be your first day. If you'd like to work here as a broker. Would you like that, Chris? Yes, sir. Good. We couldn't be happier. So, welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Well, good luck, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
spends the rest of his life traveling around inspiring people with the story that God has made his life to be. Two words. If you will live a life of surrender before the Lord, no matter what you go through, God will build your life to inspire everybody around you. We're going to close with this. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I'm at that place where I'm broken and I need God to show up. That's what we're going to open these altars to do. I wish I could do it for you. I wish there would be another way. But the only way for you to be what God has created you to be is for your life to come and be laid before Him and be broken. And you say, God, I'm not enough, but I know you are. And it gives God permission to come from where He is into your situation and put you where you were born to be. Amen? So if you want to make your move, we're going to open the altars. If not, they're going to turn the lights back off just like in a movie theater. You can exit out the doors. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday. We're going to use one of the movies that are in the theater now. And so it's going to be a good time. Hopefully you enjoyed today. But don't leave here if you're at the end of your rope and you don't ask God to get involved in your situation. The altars are open. You come before the Lord as the praise team sings. God bless you. You're dismissed.